welcome to the Real Estate Raw Show, hosted by Joe Mendoza. Hi guys, Joe Mendoza here in sunny San Diego. Welcome to my show. Thank you so much for subscribing, watching. Yeah, please comment below if you hear anything cool or had any questions. Ladies and gentlemen, I have somebody super cool, a colleague of mine in the real estate arena as well, does fix and flips, wholesales, is an author of this great book, Finding and Funding Great Deals from the Denver, Colorado area. Anson Young, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me, Joe. It was awesome. Yeah, thanks for taking the time out of your busy day. So let's go ahead and get started. Take us way back to when, before, before real estate, what were you doing? How'd you transition in? Yeah, so uh, before real estate, I was in the tech world. Um, I started off, uh, a friend of my brother got me a job uh, as like a, a computer, like kind of a network technician, just kind of running night processes for a financial company. And I slowly moved my way up. I got some certifications. Um, I basically was like the, uh, the, the sysadmin and then uh, was training to take over kind of the network admin uh, stuff. And then uh, like everybody else at that time, I got laid off. And, uh, and so everybody I knew in tech, all my friends who were in tech, uh, everybody basically was getting laid off at that time or was their second layoff or third layoff. And um, my dad's actually in telecommunications. And so for 30 years, he went from, you know, old school telecommunications all the way to, um, you know, basically doing like second shift at the network farm and just making sure that everything's running right. And he survived like, 17 rounds of layoffs in 30 years. And then finally, uh, it, it hasn't been too long ago, but maybe five or seven years ago, they finally just shut down his office. And, um, and at the same time, he's like, well, I'm eligible for retirement. So he took his uh, layoff and then started retirement. So he kind of lucked out at the end there. But I just was kind of tired of having that destiny in somebody else's hands and uh, so I bounced around a little bit. I did some bartending. Um, I really enjoyed that, honestly, uh, just talking to people and kind of very low stress job and, uh, and bounced around a little bit. And when we, um, we were moving down to Phoenix and we knew it wasn't going to be for too long. It was going to be a couple of years. Uh, my brother just had, uh, they just had their first kid and it was like the first nephew or a niece and the whole family and so we're like you know what i'm not i don't have like a normal job like i can go down there and bartend no problem and so we picked up and moved down there and right before i left my friend paul um you know we were talking in some parking lot one night after uh hanging out and he's like you know what he's like i've always heard good things about this book why don't you take it with you and he handed me rich dad poor dad and so i have this very basic uh, real estate origin story, just like everybody else. We all came from, it's, it feels like we all came from that book to, you know, where we're at now in some degree or other. So I read that book on the way down to Phoenix. Um, and I had this choice. I was like new city. I, uh, I had a couple of connections in tech there. And so I was either going to double down on tech, get more certifications, uh, just really have a go at it or do something else. And so uh, I really, um, you know, at that crossroads, I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to try this real estate thing and see how it works out. Now, did you have some money saved up? Did you have unemployment? Where were you financially? 
Um, financially, I think we were okay. My wife got a job immediately when we got there. And so she's working full time. I was working basically full time uh, bartending and, um, and our expenses were super low. And so uh, honestly, like looking back, like I, I'd trade, you know, those expenses for today's expenses, but, uh, but it's just, just the way it is. So we, you know, with low expenses and two full-time jobs and no kids, it was pretty easy to get by in Phoenix at that time. It was pretty cheap to live there. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of where we're at financially. Perfect. And then you started real estate on the side, like a part-time side hustle, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I basically started off by consuming everything that I could about real estate when I wasn't working. And, um, I would go to all the RIA meetings, all the cash flow 101 games. Um, I haven't played that in like 15 years, but, uh, you know, go to, go to like a, you know, you'd go to a village inn and you'd sit and you'd play cash flow 101, which is a, a Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad game, you know, and network and talk to, I talk to every agent investor that I can get a hold of looking at everything that I could online. And that's a, that's right around when I discovered bigger pockets was basically right when they started. Um, there was two forums and I was a huge forums. I don't know how far back you go on the internet, but like if you had a specific, you know, uh, interest, you would go find the forum for that interest, like, you know, mini Cooper cars and you could find a whole community there. And in real estate, there was realestate.com and bigger pockets and realestate.com had just terrible old school forum layouts and bigger pockets was easier to navigate, um, much more, uh, just ease of use. And so I stuck with bigger pockets and I've kind of stuck with them ever since, but, um, just kind of taking in every information that I could, I started doing side jobs for free for agents and investors. So I'd go punch, uh, signs in yards. I'd go deliver contracts. I'd go take pictures. I'd go do whatever crap job that they wanted me to do. And I would always ask something in exchange say, Hey, I'm more than happy to do this for you for however long. But you know, if you can teach me how to use MLS system or, you know, how to evaluate properties or tell me what I should do with my life, <laughs> uh, you know, please, you know, help me out. I'm more than willing to help you out. And so that actually worked out really well. And so uh, it was definitely part-time and I was just doing everything that I could to get in front of anybody I could uh, on the real estate side. So. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Now you're a realtor currently. Was a realtor first or investor fix and flipper wholesale first or kind of simultaneous? Uh, my very first deal was a live-in flip in Arizona. And then uh, we lived in that for a year. And at the end of 2005, we sold it because um, we were just uh, tired of Phoenix. My brother had actually taken a job elsewhere, which was the reason why we moved down there. And so we were like, we have no reason to stay in Phoenix. And so we uh, sold that house, moved back to Denver. And then it was about another year. So 2007 is when I got my license. So I was doing some investment stuff before I got my license. And, um, and that was, that's, how, that's how that played out. Got it. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Um, so when you wrote this book, Finding and Funding Great Deals, did that come from the experience prior to being an agent or during an agent or something you're going hard on right now as far as doing a lot of wholesales, lots of flips right now? Yeah, so that, that book came um, 
I think it was released 2017. Okay. So it came, you know, 10 years after being licensed, uh, 10 years of ups and downs and deals, all kinds of different markets, um, you know, market conditions, I should say, uh, and other markets I've invested outside of Denver. But um, so it's really born out of looking at it from both sides with both hats on. Uh, as you know, being an agent and investor, you can see things in different ways at different times because sometimes your money's on the line and sometimes your client's money's on the line. And those are two uh, very different distinct things. Like you have a fiduciary responsibility on the agent side and then you just have a, you know, I don't want to lose all my money on the other side. So, so I get, I get both sides, but it it came from all the experience of wholesale, wholesale, fix and flip, uh, helping um, clients buy rentals, house hacks, um, and obviously, just being an agent for ten years, you you definitely pick up a lot of negotiation. Uh, you know how to search the MLS for those deals that agent other agents have mislisted or in there wrong. You know, it's like you wouldn't know some of those things unless you were licensed, or you wouldn't know how to look for them. So all that experience, hopefully, just came together and just smashed into that book. Nice, nice. I'm glad you shared that, and I think vice versa too. Anson is where. Like if you're just thinking as a realtor, how I was when I, I first got licensed, I was wondering why some of my properties in a different market was getting 30, 40 offers, you know, and, and I realized that it was such a great deal. I probably should have bought it. So right. it, it was totally. one of those things that like, you know, I'm glad you're like trained in both. And it's one of those things to the audience, whoever's listening there are benefits to having a license. So don't think that like some of these people out there or these um, gurus say, don't get a license. I say, why not? Because yeah. it's worked to my advantage. Obviously, it's working to Anson's advantage. And here's, here's a tip that I usually share. And um, hopefully you agree or I want to see how you feel. Whenever I coach somebody, whether it's a client or um, somebody who's joining my team, I always say, hey, if you want to get into investing, put your investor hat on first. Look at the deal and see if you could take it down, buy it, whatever, on great price or great terms. If that's not the case, you get retail. Well, guess what? Put your realtor hat on next and go ahead and list the home. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, so I, I, I'm assuming you're talking about like the context of maybe a private seller who is not listed on the MLS. Correct. Um, absolutely. I, uh, I do that all the time. It's, it's such a great tool to have in your tool belt. And I always find that transparency when you're talking to somebody in that situation, just saying, Hey, I mean, first of all, you have to disclose that you're licensed. You go, Hey, you know, I'm a licensed agent, but I'm here to, uh, you know, I'm here to help. I'm here to buy the property, but I'm here, you know, I'm committed to helping you. So if that doesn't work out, you know, I could still help you get rid of the property by listing it. If you, you know, if you'll allow my team to list it and we'll create a win-win scenario over there too. And there are some times where, you know, I'll present the offer and then there'll be like a part two and it'll be, you know, it's kind of gauging the pros and cons of me buying it versus listing it. And, um, and then kind of an estimated net at the end of the day. And sometimes those numbers aren't too far off when you consider, you know, commissions, uh, closing costs, everything else. Uh, sometimes my offer looks good because you're like, oh, for like 10 grand less, I don't have to list it. I don't have to have an appraisal inspection, people walking through the house, showings and all that stuff. 
And, uh, and then to other people, they're like, you know what? I want that extra 10 grand. Like, let's, let's list it. Let's go for it. And so hopefully by then you've built up that rapport and that trust. And so even though you may not be the investor, they still trust you enough to list the property and help them out in that way too. So I, that's my, one of my favorite tools in my tool belt that other investors don't have because they may not be licensed is I can walk in and say, listen, I'll help you uh, either way, whether I buy it or list it, let's get you out of this situation. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Anson. So that was a tool in your tool belt. Um, you probably have some more in your book, some golden nuggets. Let's kind of cover some of those. Um, finding great deals. Now, obviously, there's brokers or agents, right? You're in competitive market in Denver, just like me in San Diego. What are some other hacks or tips that you could share to find great deals? Yeah, so, I mean, it's such a big uh, category. <laughs> I mean, we could talk for we hours about it. A full day on it. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I think, uh, let me think. So, um, I think networking is, is highly underrated. Uh, you know, a lot of people just focus on, hey, I'm just going to market. And, uh, and, and they don't take the time to network with gatekeepers, uh, agents, um, you know, uh, attorneys, basically anybody who kind of is a gatekeeper for these properties. Uh, I'm thinking of like estate sale uh, companies, you know, these people that you can maybe offer value to or just get to know and network with. And uh, these are the people who are right on the front lines of, you know, uh, somebody dies, unfortunately. And, you know, one of the first calls, you know, after all the other stuff is taken care of is like, how do we get rid of all this stuff? And a state sale comes in. And if you've networked with estate sale companies, um, some of them are more than happy to say, hey, what are your plans for the house? Um, you know, we have a couple of great agents or investors that we work with, depending on the you know, condition of the house and, and, you know, can hook you up that way. And all of a sudden, you're in front of a deal that nobody else has seen and nobody else really knows about. Unless, you know, somebody's hunting the probate or the, yeah, the probate lists. But um, so, I mean, networking is huge. And it's honestly in this kind of market where we're finding about 30% of our deals is uh, other investors, new investors, agents who just, you know, there's a lot of agents who have no clue how to do some of the stuff that we deal with. You know, it'll be like my client's uncle died and he's, you know, a, a massive hoarder. And I can't list it like that. I don't know what to do. Like, and, and so if you've done your job and network and built that trust, um, a lot of those agents will come to you and just say, listen, I've you know, seen your videos and we've talked a few times and uh, you seem like somebody who can help us out. And they look like the hero because they brought in somebody to save the day. And that's you, of course. So, um, so there's, there's a lot of stuff like that. Just um, besides obviously the big, uh, marketing and uh there's there is you know how to search mls and and all that stuff in the book too but some of it just comes down to relationships that you build over time and uh do you do mailers texts ringless ringless voicemails anything like that yeah for sure um you have to these days you have to do it all because <laughs> one uh, you know one thing doesn't work anymore and you know back in the day we could just send out yellow letters and uh get all of our deals for the year that way and then now um, you have to really aggressively pursue sellers because they're, 
your competition's pursuing them as well. So you have to find a way to stand out. You have to, you know, skip trace them, mail them, call them, knock on the door, ringless voicemail, text message, email, anything, anything that you could do to get in front of them, you know, even down to finding them on Facebook, you know, sending them a message, um, you know, emailing them at an address that, you know, may, might be their work address or something. It might be their only email address, you know, so the, the, the more you can do to find uh, and get in front of these people, the better. And like you, and like you said, you have to kind of do all that stuff now. And um, because just, just doing the one thing is everybody's knows how to do that. But the harder work is doing multiple stack strategies to aggressively pursue people who might need your help. I totally agree with you, Anson. And I, I usually tell my folks, Hey, the harder they are to find the better because less competition. You know, I, I totally agree with you. Um, what are some of your favorite systems? So, yeah, you're like, uh, I really enjoy, I don't enjoy, I think everybody has a love-hate relationship with uh, Podio, which is kind of this um, sandbox. It can almost do anything that you want. And uh, over, over, the, over time, we've built it to do enough of what we need to do. And, uh, and so it's, it's a CRM. It can send out contracts. It can send out texts. It can send out emails. Um, it can track uh, KPIs. So it can track key performance indicators, uh, which is pretty huge. So if somebody calls in, we can know exactly what list that came from. And when it closes, we can calculate the cost of, you know, the efficacy of that list, um, how many, how, you know, how much money it costs to get that phone to ring, how much money it costs to get that appointment, how much money it costs to get uh, to close. And so tracking those numbers is huge. And we can track that now by list, uh, by like category. Um, and so it's, it's really powerful if you can get it to that point. And I think a lot of people try it out and they, it's just too much because it can do almost anything you want it to do, um, which is good and bad. So, um, so I love that system and it has a good follow-up system assignment of tasks. So if you want to assign that to your acquisition person or another agent, you can assign, you know, a lead to somebody else and now it's their responsibility and, uh, and just really cool stuff like that. So that's, that's one of my favorite systems for sure. I love the fact, Hanson, that you pointed out the KPIs, the key performance indicators, because unfortunately some people just spray and pray. You know, they right. you do all kinds of marketing. They do all kinds of bandit signs, all kinds of letters, not knowing their cost per acquisition, their cost per lead, et cetera, et cetera, which you alluded to. So thank you so much for pointing that out. I really, really appreciate it. Um, how big is your team right now? So it's, it's relatively small and it's kind of on purpose. Um, we've ran kind of a lifestyle type business uh, for a long time and, we're actually uh, trying to scale it up in different ways right now, but um, there's three main people, uh, myself, my wife, and our uh, project manager. And then we have, you know, some independent contractors under there who, um, you know, sometimes they'll uh, get, get put into different roles here and there as needed. And then some of them are just like kind of our work crews and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm hesitant to call them employees because they're really, you know, contractors, they go and take other work when we're not keeping them busy and stuff. But, um, and then right now I'm focused on 
building out my uh, an agent team as well. And so looking at two or three people to bring on um, underneath the umbrella here so we can uh, take our leads that don't work for uh, for distressed sellers. And maybe if that turns into a listing, you know, now we can hand that off to, you know, a full service agent in, in-house uh, who can go ahead and close that. And um, so both in-state and out-of-state for that. So, uh, so it's small now, getting bigger, um, but kind of by design for a long time, we were just like, hey, if we want to go on vacation, you know, we can have a project manager watch everything and we don't have to stress out about it because uh, we don't have like a hundred houses going at, you know, ever. So, um, but now it's kind of like the kids, kids getting older. And so, you know, we have a little bit more time to, to, to expand basically. Start ramping up. I get it. No, I appreciate yeah, right? that. So um, if you don't mind me getting a little personal, sure. um, you said you work with your wife. Mm-hmm. How long have you been working with your wife and maybe the, the length of your marriage? Yeah, sure. Um, so Monday is our 19th wedding anniversary. Nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> thanks. Um, and she's, uh, she's worked in bookkeeping for a CPA uh, for a long time. Like uh, they're basically kind of family friends now. I mean, um, she's worked for them so long and she'll go in on tax seasons and she'll um, sometimes she'll work year round. Sometimes she won't. So she does all of our design and all of our uh, bookkeeping. And so she's, you know, and, and she'll do, uh, she's looking at getting her license. She's not sure if she wants to do that or not. Uh, but so, so for her, she's probably in, you know, about 20 hours a week tops. Uh, some of the design stuff is like, it, it'll need to get refreshed, you know, or, or a certain house has certain things that she wants to do. And so uh, she loves to do that. And I'm okay at it. I can look at Pinterest and copy, <laughs> but she actually likes it. And so I send her out to do that. And, um, and so, yeah, so, you know, married for 19 years and she works, she's, I guess the question was how long she's been working with me. And it's been, um, I'd say about 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you shared that. Okay. So there's probably husband wife teams out there, right? Or better have significant other teams working together. What would you say the secret is or tips you could share about working 10 years? That's a pretty long time. Uh, what would be some tips? Yeah. So um, having separate offices. No, uh, <laughs> sometimes. Separate bedrooms. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Uh, um, no, I mean, I, I, I tend to try to, uh, sometimes I'll try and talk to her. Like she knows all the things that I know. And, um, even though I'm in here day to day, uh, doing, you know, a lot of this stuff, you know, and I'll try to, um, you know, so, so I guess just not get frustrated if they're not on the same experience level as you, especially starting out. Uh, we learned a lot of stuff together. Um, and then she kind of took a step back to raise, you know, our, our, uh, our son. So for the first like five years of his life, she was doing very part-time stuff for the company. And then, you know, when, when he went to kindergarten and she kind of jumped back in a lot of things had changed on marketing and, um, you know, podio systems and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I just kind of gave her a lot of, um, I guess myself, like I had to talk to myself and say like, look, she hasn't been like checked in for five years. Like you can't just expect her to know all these things and be up to speed. Like you got to treat her like 
um, make sure that they're trained if, if that's something that they want to do. And honestly, um, I gave her some stuff I, when we first started, I gave her some stuff off my plate that she didn't enjoy. Like I hated it. She hated it. And I wasn't doing her any favors. And so I really learned like, okay, she, well, she loves design and uh, she's really good at bookkeeping and she enjoys it. Um, why would I try to shove her in a box, even though the company needs something in that box? I'm not, I don't want to work in that box. So why would I put her in that box? And so a lot of those like little lessons of um, over time of like, okay, you hate that. I hate it. Let's figure that out and let's get you doing something that you love. So you're not like, oh good, I have to go to work and hate, you know, all the jobs that I do there. And so I don't want that for her, just like I don't want it for me. So. Wow. Good. Great respect for you. And uh, you're a very, very smart man. Happy wife, happy life, I guess they say, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. All right. You said something about you're expanding into several other marketplaces. Are you going to be doing the wholesaling or you're going to go in there and start rehabbing and build a crew? What's kind of your plan there? Yeah. So um, everything stems from, in my philosophy, everything stems from finding deals. So the, uh, the end goal is to have multiple single family rentals uh, and, and multifamily rentals in another market. And so step one is always finding those deals. And then once you do, and once you kind of build a system around that, as you know, there's different lead types. So there might be some that are great for, you know, the end goal, you know, they're great for that kind of burr uh, single family rental scenario. And then there's going to be some that are good for uh, wholesaling, some that are good for fix and flip uh, and, and some that are just good for retail agent leads. And so the plan is, is to have multiple exit strategies all stemming from, you know, the heart of just finding deals. The end goal is to have Burr rentals, but I know that I'm going to find all these other kind of deal types. And so I'd love to be able to pretty much do everything um, with that. And, you know, with the real estate company that we both are with, it's easy to set up agent teams, uh, which is kind of 90% of why I joined. And, um, you know, I can now have an agent team in another market and not have to be licensed there. You know, I can overwatch from here and have a team lead there and um, take those leads and now do something with them. And so, you know, multiple fingers off of the same hub of, you know, we're going to find those deals and now we're going to, you know, figure out what to do with them piece by piece. So. Love it. That's a great, great strategy. Something I'm working on myself. So nice. Nice. or great minds think alike, I guess they say. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Anson. Well, I know um, you've been very, very kind with your time. Um, any last words of wisdom, anything you're promoting, best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm always promoting my book. Uh, you know, if you're interested in finding deals and funding them, I get you from zero to the closing table. And all the way in there is from market analysis to uh, deal analysis to, you know, finding the right kind of money to uh, purchase the deal all the way through the closing process and then how to repeat that process so you can build a business out of finding deals. Now, what you do with it after you close, I, I actually don't care. <laughs> it's like <laughs> if, if, you, if you're a landlord, uh, it's a good book. If you're a wholesaler, it's a good book. 
Um, if you want to burn it down the next day after you close, uh, go ahead and do that. I don't, I don't uh, recommend it, but, uh, but yeah, so it gets you from zero to the closing table and that, uh, that's the whole goal. So if you're interested in something like that, uh, definitely take a look at it. Um, it's on Audible, Bigger Pockets, and Amazon. And there are some like Barnes and Nobles that have it too. So Barnes and Noble uh, that have it. So, uh, so that's, that's the only thing I'm promoting today. Super cool. Well, thank you so much again, Anson, for your time. Wish you all the best in your future. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is awesome. Wow. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I hope you learned as much as I did or more. So, guys, look at the comment thread. If you've seen something, heard something, want to learn more about something, please put it on the comment link below. If you're not a subscriber yet, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Go ahead and smash that bell to hear the latest and greatest on the show. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. I'm putting this channel together to hopefully add incredible value to you. And if you want to learn more about investing, you're new to investing, I highly recommend this book, Flex with a Plex. Also, this book, if you're having some challenges, as you can see, everybody on the show had some kind of adversity including yours truly. So I shared a lot of that on Make It A Comeback, giving you some incredible tips to make a comeback. So get either one, Flex With A Plex, or Make It A Comeback. If you want to get more tips, go ahead and go to joemendoza.com. Again, subscribe, share, like, make a comment below. I really, really appreciate you. Want to add incredible value and wish you all the best in your success in real estate and in life. Take care. Our company is not responsible for the success or failure of your business decisions relating to any information presented by our company or our company programs, products, and or services.